Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 1 Kings and chapter number 3. The book of 1 Kings and chapter number 3. We're in our series right now, The Life and Ministry of King Solomon. And through this, we've already seen where Solomon came from. We took some time to see how he came to power. We watched as David had blessed and prepared the kingdom. Then as Solomon came to power, that he cleaned house, that he took care of some important administrative type things dealing with people. And now we could see as he begins his kingdom, that he's going to begin his kingdom by looking at the Lord. And so notice with me, if you don't mind, the book of First Kings and chapter number three. First Kings chapter number three, it is a very familiar passage that even those who are not churched have heard somewhat of this message. But I'd like to dive in a little bit deeper and grab a great understanding of what we find and what Solomon had asked for. Notice with me in the book of 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3 and notice with me in verse 1. 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 1. And Solomon made affinity with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he made an end of the building of his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall of Jerusalem round about. Only the people sacrificed in high places because there was no house built unto the name of the Lord unto those days. And Solomon loved the Lord walking in the statutes of David his father, only he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places. And the king went up to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. A thousand burnt offerings did Solomon offer upon that altar. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth, and in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept him for this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad for who is able to judge this thy so great a people and the speech pleased the Lord and Solomon that Solomon had asked this thing 
And God had said unto him, because thou hast asked this thing and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither asked riches for thyself, nor asked the life of thine enemies, but has asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and understanding heart so that there was none like before thee, neither after thee shall arise like unto thee. And I have given thee which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee in all thy days. And if thy, thou wilt walk in my ways and to keep my statutes and my commandments as thy father David did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. And Solomon awoke and behold, it was a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and offered peace offerings and made a feast to all his servants. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of 1 Kings in chapter number 3? 1 Kings chapter number 3 and notice with me, as we could see something that Solomon had asked in 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse number 9, notice the word give, <coughs> give thy servant an understanding heart. Give thy servant an understanding heart. And if you don't mind, may we put another word with it? The word discernment, discernment. Give thy servant an understanding heart. And with this, we could see what he was asking for was discernment, discernment. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God and thank you for the great privilege it is to be in your house today. Now as we open up the Bible, I'm asking that you would give us grace and that you would give us mercy, that you would help us to have a great understanding of the historical part of this and that we could also understand the spiritual part of how we can apply it to our lives today in seeing how Solomon had asked for these things. Thank you again that we need you and we acknowledge that. Fill me with your spirit. Give me your grace even now that you get your own work accomplished through your precious word. We just put our dependence upon you. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Give thy servant an understanding heart. Now as Solomon began to reign, there was some things that he needed to set in order and also as a pattern that we understand it all begins with God. And so he wanted to start off his reign as king as starting with God and letting God be the goal. The first thing we want to show in this passage is Solomon's love for the Lord. Solomon's love for the Lord. Now we start off with verse number one, and may I say that verse number one is going to be a summary statement of the different things that are going to happen in uh, Solomon's reign, and it's going to use that as a jumping off point to focus back to a specific incident before all the rest of these are accomplished. Notice with me in 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 1. And Solomon 
made affinity, that means he made an agreement with Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he made an end of building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall of Jerusalem round about. Again, this is going to be a summary statement. We're going to take care of these things in due course afterwards, but we're going back to verse number two to start to see or beginning with how Solomon started this reign to honor the Lord. Notice with me verse 2. Only the people sacrificed in high places. Why? Because there was no house built unto the name of the Lord unto those days. Now, if I could remind you through history that at this time we had what was called the tabernacle. The tabernacle was a temporary dwelling place that, um, (coughs) excuse me, that Moses had built under the instructions of the Lord for the people to go ahead and meet with the Lord. And it was a temporary dwelling place because the people had traveled all throughout the wilderness wanderings for those 40 years, going here, going here, going here, and going here. Well, when David became king, he says, we don't really need a tabernacle anymore because we're not traveling. We now have the land that God promised us. So it was placed in David's heart to go ahead and to build what we would call the temple. However, at this time, there is no temple. Solomon in the future will build that temple. But at the time, there is no meeting place where people can congregate and meet with the Lord. You have the tabernacle, which has now been placed in different parts. You have the tabernacle, which is placed in Gibeah, but the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence of the Lord, has already been moved by David to Jerusalem. And so the presence of God represented through the the, um, Ark of the Covenants in Jerusalem, but the meeting place is inside of the temple, Gibeah, and so the people didn't have a single place to go to. So by default, we see that they went to the high places. Now, why is this a big deal? Well, because people had an idea back then in the ancient world that God is up in heaven, right? And so if I want to be closer with God, I have to go to closer with God in elevation. So what I'm going to do is if I'm going to be closer with God, I have to go to higher elevation. The higher I could get, the more of a less of a distance there's going to be between us and the Lord. May I say that that's not necessarily true. We understand that people do that. For example, we do this. All right. Everyone, I want you to point to where heaven is. Now, why'd you point up? I mean, is heaven up? Well, we know that there are three heavens mentioned in the Bible. There's the heavens where the birds fly. There's the heavens where the sky or where the sun and the stars are are located. Then we have the third heaven where God's at. Why do we say that God's there? Is it necessarily up? I mean, can you go up above space and keep going up and up and up and find heaven somewhere? Well, you understand because the other two heavens are up, we just kind of just associate up even though heaven is completely different. Does that make sense? And so there's something with that, that because we have a location up, we figured that if I could travel, travel physically a location, that if I go up somewhere, that I'll be closer to God. I mean, we even saw that with the astronauts, that the astronauts, when they went up to space, uh, they were asked to go find God. One, a Russian had asked one of them, did you see God up there? 
Because there was the idea that if I go up in elevation, that I will be naturally closer with God. And so because that's just a natural idea that people had back then. Now people are going to pervert this later on. That's why we see the Bible as a progressive revelation. Here, the high places are not a bad place. Later on they will be. But the reason why is just there was a natural association. If I want to go to God, that I have to go up in elevation. So I'm going to go up to the highest, holiest place to go ahead and meet with God. Now, may I pause and say, there's not, there's not anything necessarily wrong with having a scheduled meeting place for the Lord. For example, some of you might have a prayer closet. Praise the Lord. And in that prayer closet, because that's where you meet with the Lord, you don't allow your computer or your phone in there. You don't allow music in there. You don't allow TV or stuff because that's your meeting place with the Lord and you protect it. Does that make sense? It's something to you that's considered holy, sanctified, separated to God. There's nothing wrong with that. And so at this time, they had a place where Solomon said, I'm going to put a place, I'm going to get away from the city. I'm getting away from Jerusalem. That's where the capital is. I'm going to get away from the, I'm going to separate myself out and I'm going to be to a place where I'm not having my cell phone, where I'm not getting people bothering me all the time. Now we understand they don't have cell phones, but we're applying the principle. He's getting away from the politics. He's getting away from his work. He's getting away from the kids. He's getting away from the wife. He's getting away from everywhere where he could be alone with God with no distractions. That's a great principle. We need that from time to time to get away and to be alone with God. That's exactly what Solomon did. Notice again in verse 2. Only the people sacrificed in high places because... There was no house built unto the name of the Lord unto those days. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father. Now notice this. Verse 3, it says that Solomon loved the Lord. How do we know he loved the Lord? Because he walked in the statutes of David his father. We know that this is consistent with what Jesus said. Jesus said in the New Testaments, If you love me... Keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. How do we know that Solomon loved the Lord? Because he walked in the commandments, the statutes, the laws given by David his father, given through the Bible, these principles. Only he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places. Verse 4. And the king went to Gibeon. Now again, this is a location where the tabernacle was located. It was up there that uh, it was a high place. So it was considered to Solomon a separated place where I could get alone with God. And notice what he did. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there. And there was a great high place. A thousand burnt offerings did Solomon offer upon that altar. Now, you see this number and you may go, meh. But let me tell you, this is a big deal, especially with all of the things that you have to do to further pr prove Solomon's dev devotion to the Lord. Not only was it for obedience, but he also decided to make a sacrifice. He sacrificed a thousand animals. Now, he wasn't there by himself. Second Chronicles chapter number one, it calls that Solomon brought the leaders 
together, the leaders of Israel to the tabernacle. And there Solomon sacrificed 1000 burnt offerings. Now this was done all out of Solomon's own money. So this was a financial investment. So he separated himself to be alone with God with time where he wouldn't have distractions. Then it cost him financially to get 1000 animals. In addition, it was going to be a sacrifice of his time. In order to sacrifice them, there was a procedure that had to be done. The animal had to be slaughtered. It had to be drained of its blood. It had to be cut into pieces and then burnt on a purpose built fire. This would end up taking time and devotion. They said in order to do one correctly and to do it fast, it would take up to 50 minutes to do, to cut the throat, to drain it of its blood, to cut it up properly and to place of the offering. And how many did he do? 1,000. You understand the people who study this say that Solomon was here days to weeks. He had separated himself. I'm going to dedicate my time to the Lord. Now, normally in today's culture, because we're so busy when we say we dedicate ourselves to the Lord, I'm dedicating some time to the Lord. That means that God gets five minutes for you to read your Bible before you go to work. When Solomon said that he is dedicating time for the Lord, he's now set himself apart for weeks to be alone with God, to get a hold of him, to be with him, to start things off right. He says, I want to be the proper king. I want to be the king I ought to be. And so I am putting myself to make God first. I'm giving him my location. I'm giving him my time. I'm giving him my finances. I'm giving him my talent. I'm giving him whatever he wants <clears throat> because I want him to be first in my life. Now, this is all setting up to something very important, but it starts with Solomon responding to God. It all starts with God. God had already done all these things for Solomon. Solomon now is responding to who God is and worshiping and loving the Lord. And he's spending this time to gather these people here so they could witness. He's not cheating. He himself is involved in these sacrifices and he's taking the time to put it there. Each one, he's saying, Lord, I love you. Each one, God, I care for you. God, I want you to be honored. He is taking the time. You know, we're going to see God show up, but maybe sometimes God doesn't show up in our life because all we can do is give him five minutes here and 10 minutes here. And during that time, we don't have ourselves dedicated to God, but it's like, huh, Facebook post. Yeah, God, I want you to help me. God, yeah, help me through the day. Yep. We get to that place where God doesn't have our full attention. And if he has our full attention, the best he could keep our attention is just a couple of minutes. You know, we look what happens when God shows up with Solomon and we compare his devotion and what he does for the Lord and see that perhaps we don't line up with our time and our attention. That we know that today it's almost like twisting people's arms just to get them to show up to church. And during the church, they can't, don't have God's full attention. They're, hurry up preacher, I'm hungry. Is it 12 yet? People don't have their hearts and their minds upon the Lord. 
And we wonder why we don't have his presence. We start off that Solomon, (coughs) Solomon's love for the Lord. Which now brings us to a second thing, Solomon's request to the Lord. Solomon's request to the Lord. Notice with me in verse 5. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask what I shall give thee. So Solomon has spent time to sacrifice these animals. He's done it in devotion. And by the way, he's still in Gibeon. He's resting, he's sleeping. And in the middle of the night, God comes to speak with him, shows up in response to what Solomon has done. Remember, God said, seek me and ye shall be found. Solomon is taking the time to seek after God, to look for God, to find God. And now God, fulfilling his promise, is now being found. Notice as God approaches Solomon, verse number six, verse five rather. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask what I shall give thee. What an amazing thing that God shows up and asks Solomon, you could ask whatever you want. I'm listening. What would you do if God had given you that blank check? That God shows up and says, you could ask whatever you want. I'm listening. Well, let's see how Solomon responded. Verse number six. And Solomon said, thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy. So he starts off by acknowledging how good God has been to Solomon. According to as he walked before thee in righteous truth and in righteousness and uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept him for this great kindness that thou hast given him a son to sit on the throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father. And notice what Solomon says. He starts off by acknowledging that God has been good to him. Then Solomon acknowledges that he needs the Lord. He says, I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. What he does is he shows that I'm not available. I'm not able. I don't have the ability. We spoke about this in Sunday school just a little bit ago. Solomon is showing his humility towards the Lord and true humility. He's giving a little illustration here. I'm just like a little child who doesn't know how to come in or go out. As it's implied, it's a statement that carries the idea that a child, many of us have had kids this way, or maybe you are that type of kid, that it's raining outside. And the kid's outside like what? Drenched, water all over, doesn't have enough sense to get out. We live in Wisconsin. We have these kids here. You have the kid who goes out, it's 10 degrees, and they don't have a coat on. They don't have enough sense. Hey, you're supposed to wear a coat. Well, I don't need a coat. Fine. They, it's like a little child who doesn't have enough brains to know what they're supposed to do. Solomon said, that's me. I, I'm like a little kid. I, I, I don't know when I'm supposed to come in, when I'm supposed to go out. I don't have enough sense in myself. Now, he's not self-depreciating. He's recognizing that I am not able. I need the Lord. I need you. Before I start my reign, before I start everything, I need you. I am not able. You see, you're either going to be dependent upon the Lord or you're going to be dependent upon yourself, but you cannot be both. 
He's recognizing that, Lord, if I do it myself, I'm going to mess up. I don't have enough sense. I need you. He goes on in verse number eight. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people. Notice that it's not Solomon's people. It's God's people. He's recognizing that these aren't even my people. I'm going to be responsible in how I administrate, how I rule, how I reign over your people, God. Because they're your people, I need wisdom on how to reign over their people. <coughs> how to direct your people, how to work with your people. Verse 8, thou and thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen. A great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. So notice what Solomon asked in verse number nine. He starts off by acknowledging that what God has done, he acknowledges he doesn't have enough sense in himself. He acknowledges that these are God's people, not his people. So because of this, verse nine, give therefore, because of all of this, to thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able this, thy so great a people, who's able to judge this so great a people? Notice what God asked for him or what Solomon asked of the Lord. Lord, even help now. He asked for discernment. We understand that the Sunday school classes and how people remember this story is that Solomon asked for wisdom. He did not ask for wisdom here. He asked for understanding heart to discern. So if he asked for discernment, not wisdom, maybe we need to define what we mean by here. Now, I'm not erasing wisdom. We need wisdom. But where does wisdom come from? May we say the key component here is going to be discernment? Discernment. What is discernment? The idea of discernment is that discernment is far seeing. It's not seeing where I'm at, but it's seeing where I'm going. For example, if we had two people lined up, but one was going straight and one was going just a little bit of an angle, at the very beginning, they look like they're the very same. But the further they walk, they're going to find out that there's going to be more of a distance between the two. Discernment is being able to say, not only what decision do I need to make, but where is this decision going to bring me? We have all said in our life that if I knew that what this decision was going to do for me, I wouldn't have taken it. We've all had those type of things in there. Well, that's what discernment. Discernment is God giving you the ability to find out before you make the decision where it's going to take you at. We all need discernment. For example, I have a job or I'm going, I need a job. Lord, do I work or not work? If I go to work here, what is the end of my path? If I decide not to work, where am I going to go? Lord, I need to do good in my schooling. Well, I don't really care about schooling. What decisions are you going to make? You understand every decision you make has a consequence. And some of those consequences are going to be life-changing consequences. And discernment is able to say, this is where this decision will lead me. 
We all have things that we wish we could go back the clock and say, if I only knew where this would take me, if I only knew what this would do to me, if I only knew the consequences of this, I would have never stepped on this path in the first place. Discernment is God giving you that ability to tell you where that path is going to take before you make that choice. That's what Solomon's asking for. I need discernment. And if you get discernment, with that discernment comes wisdom. Now that I know where this path is going to take, the wise choice is to take this path. Discernment is something we need and is desperately lacking. Discernment is something we need to have. It's God's people He is saying, I need discernment how to take care of your people. I need discernment to show what paths I need to take. I need discernment. Discernment is something that most people do not have. Most people don't even think about what consequences happen. They live in the here and the now. But everything that you do has consequences. For example, how many of us had the foot and mouth disease where we didn't think about what we were going to say and the effects that it would have on someone else? And once I opened my mouth and saw as the chain events now begin to happen, I wish I didn't say that. I wish I had enough discernment not to open my mouth. I wish I had enough discernment not to let that come out. Everything we have has consequences. Discernment is something we need. How do we get more discernment, by the way? We know discernment comes from the Lord, but we get more discernment, according to the Bible, by exercising discernment. You get more discernment by using it. Meaning that I start evaluating the choices. I start looking at the things that need to happen. And as I evaluate and asking God for wisdom to show me what the end of the consequences are going to be, as I start using that, God gives me more discernment. That I start seeing the end results of more things, and more things, and more things. When we have that discernment, we become wise people because we're using knowledge appropriately. We're applying it properly. Tomorrow morning, I wake up. I'm going to have choices right away. Do I read my Bible? Do I not read my Bible? What are the consequences? You know, most of the time when people come to that first decision, should I read my Bible, not read my Bible? They don't think about the consequences of not reading your Bible. They just feel like, do I feel like reading my Bible now or do I not? Well, there's consequences for it. So you make that first decision. Then after that, what do I do about this person that comes to my face? The very first person that comes to my face. And the first thing I want to do is pop off. But maybe I should take a second and have discernment. If I say this, this is the consequences. If I say this, this is the consequences. Which of the consequences are going to be better off? So even though you messed up, I'm going to show you grace. Let's see if we can fix this so it won't happen again. Rather than, what are you thinking, you stupid idiot? The one that we usually take. 
We need discernment for every little part. This is why this passage is so important. Because God had given Solomon a blank check to ask for anything. We know that it is not the same, but could you just transition it to a profane example? Let's imagine you had a genie in a lamp. You have the little lamp, you rub it, the genie pops up. I grant you three wishes. We know that God's not a genie. We understand that. But for the illustration, more people would respond to a genie in the bottle than open invitation to prayer, right? So you've got a genie. Who could grant you three wishes? All right, I got three wishes. What do I do with those wishes? And you think about it. You don't just pop off and just say, well, I need a Diet Coke, so thank you. That'd be a bad waste of a wish, wouldn't it? You'd get a real Coke. I mean, <laughs> what would you do? You would take time to think about it. What do I want? I have a blank check. I could ask for whatever I want. Well, you know what? Uh, I want to have no more taxes in my life. Some people might wish that. I want a home that's paid off. I want good health. I want to live a long time. I want to have lots of grandkids. What would it be that you would ask that genie? Anything you want, you would put some thought into it. But what would you end up asking if you had that ability to ask from a powerful being who could grant you all those things? Well, we know that Solomon did not have a genie in a lamp. He had something better. He had an all-powerful God who created the whole world. And God said, what would you want? Anything that you want, you could ask. And it is yours. Solomon could have said, you know what? I want the biggest kingdom. I want to be the richest man. I want to be the most famous person out there. He could have said all of those things. So much that God told him you could have asked for those things. You know, out of all those things the thing that Solomon knew that he needed the most was discernment. Give me an understanding heart to discern good and evil, right and wrong for your people. Now, let's go back to the genie illustration. Is that something you would ask from a genie? Genie, I want discernment. Well, you know, you don't have to ask for a genie in a bottle. God is willing to grant it to you. But think about that. Out of anything that Solomon could have asked for, he had a blank check from the God of all of the universe. Discernment is what he asked for. And if Solomon, who had a blank check to ask for anything and everything, asked for discernment, don't you think that's something we might need to? Out of all the things he asked for, he asked for discernment. And if we consider him the wisest man who ever lived, if he needed discernment, don't you think that's something we need in our lives? Discernment. To be able to see the end 
result of the decisions I make. To see what would happen if I say this or if I do this. If I behave this, if I go here, if I marry this person, if I date this person. All of those things have consequences. And discernment is what we need. And this discernment comes from the Lord. So Solomon prays. And he asks God for discernment. Which now brings us to this other thing. Solomon's reward from the Lord. Solomon's reward from the Lord. We saw that Solomon's love for the Lord and then his request to the Lord. Let's see Solomon's reward from the Lord. Notice with me verse 10. And the speech pleased the Lord and Sol- that, that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, because thou hast asked this thing and has not asked for thyself long life. You know what that means? He could have asked for long life. And if some of you had that ability, maybe you would have asked for it. He said, you could have asked for thyself riches for thyself. In fact, that's probably default what most people would have asked for. If they give them a genie in a bottle or an all-powerful thing, what would you ask for? Riches, houses paid, lands, whatever. Something to deal with financial gain. Thou didn't ask for long life. He didn't ask for riches. Nor hast thou asked the life of thine enemies. Did Solomon have enemies? He did. We'll find that in a separate message later on. Solomon already had enemies. You know, you could have asked, Solomon could have asked, you know what? I want a life with no enemies. It would have been a boring life, but I had no enemies, no one bothering me. He could have asked for that. He didn't ask for the life of the enemies. But thou has asked thyself understanding to discern. Notice this, God uses that word discern again. Yeah, I'll ask for understanding to discern judgment. You could ask for all of these things, but you ask for discernment. He says, behold, I've done according to thy words. I have given thee a wise and understanding heart so that there was none like thee before thee and neither shall um, after thee shall there arise any unto thee. By the way, even today, we still consider Solomon as the wisest man who ever lived. So God was correct in this. Verse 13, And I have also given thee which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall be not be any among the kings like unto thee all of thy days. He says, Solomon, you didn't ask for those things, but because you didn't ask for them, I'm going to give them to you anyways. I'm going to give you riches, and I'm going to give you honor, so there's going to be no one like this, like you, in all of your days. So much that the queen of Sheba is going to come and visit and said, you know what? I heard so much about it. And after all that I heard, I came to see it for myself. They didn't even tell me the half of it. The half has not been told. And so that was answered. Now it wasn't because Solomon had asked for those things. He just asked for wisdom. He asked for discernment. He asked for understanding heart. He says, verse 13, and I have also given thee, which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. And if thou shalt walk in thy ways to keep my statutes and my commandments, as David or thy father David did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and offered peace offerings and made a feast to his servants. 
So Solomon received this promise. He got so excited. He went back to the city of Jerusalem. He was in Gibeah. Went back, offered more sacrifices in honoring the God of thanks and say, thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. But the principle we discover here is what Solomon needed the most was discernment. And if Solomon needed that the most, then we also need discernment. May I also just tack on a little side message? We asked this question before. Solomon had given, been given a blank check from God. God had said, listen, whatever you want, you can ask of it and I'll give it to thee. Could you imagine that? Think about what you would do if God had given you a blank check. Anything that you ask, I will hear you and I'm willing to give it to you. What would you ask for? What would you do with that? Well, if you don't mind, may I show you something in the New Testament? The Gospel record of Luke chapter number 11. The Gospel record of Luke chapter 11. And I want to show you something very interesting. What would you do with a blank check if God had said, you know what, you can ask whatever you want, just like I did Solomon. I'll be glad to give it to you. Notice with me in Luke 11 and verse 9. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and him that knocketh it shall be open. Do you know that God has already given you that blank check? He's asked you to pray. He said, talk to me, and I'll be glad to answer prayers. Imagine this, that we got this blank check from God, and we don't use it. He said, ask what you want. What an amazing God. And how we fail at that. We, we look at this story with Solomon and we're so amazed. Oh, oh, if God would only grant me this, what would I ask for? Well, stop daydreaming. Do it. He's given you. He's a heavenly father who knows how to answer prayers. He's able to answer prayers. He's able to do so much. And he says, ask. Ask. How horrible it would be to realize all the things that God wants to give to us. And we just didn't ask. One of my preacher um, spiritual fathers said this. He said, my biggest fear is that I'm going to get to heaven. And when I get to heaven, the angels are going to take me on a tour to heaven. And they're going to take me to this big warehouse. And I'm going to go to this big warehouse. And I'm going to look up on the shelves and see all the things that are stacked up there. And say, man, I really could have used that. Oh, if I had that, that would have helped out so much. Oh, and if I had that, that would have helped something. And then he says, why are you showing me all of this? And the angel said, well, this is all the stuff that God had stored up for you that was ready to give you if you just asked. Could you imagine going and seeing all those things you could have had, but didn't? It's because you wouldn't ask. You have not because you? Not. We have a heavenly father. Now, understand this. God is not a genie in the lamp. We understand that. But he has given us free access to ask of our father of anything we have need of. 
And the thing that we need the most is discernment. You know the reason why we don't have discernment? It's because we don't ask. How different would our lives be right now if we had been in the habit of before we made any decision, before we opened up our mouth to ask God, give me wisdom, give me discernment, give me an understanding heart. Lord, he's talking to me now and I have to respond to him. Give me the words to say. Lord, my kids have messed up. Give me discernment how to take care of this issue. Lord, I have to decide which job I'm going to do. Give me discernment which job is going to take me to where I'm supposed to go. Lord, everything we do, we could ask God freely. He's given us a blank check. And the thing we need the most is discernment. And he's willing to give us discernment. If we would just ask, give thy servant an understanding heart to discern, to discern. We as God's people are expected to be some of the most discerning people. How much so? Do you know that up in the millennial kingdom, we are going to be considered the judges? So much so that in the book of 1 Corinthians, it says, do you not know that you're even going to be judge among angels? So much so that God has says, I expect you to have so much discernment that if two angels had a fight, you were going to be able to decide who judgment. Think about that. Discernment is something God wants to give to us. And we could have it if we're willing to ask. If we lack wisdom... All we have to do is ask him. And all the times that we lack discernment in our life, it's because we failed to ask. Give me an understanding heart to discern among your people good and evil. Let's seek to a God who's able to hear and answer prayers. Let's seek the discernment that we can have that comes from him. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.